Thank you, Shimeng. Um, I want you to turn to your Bibles uh, in Luke chapter 14, and we're going to read from uh, 25 to 35, right? Luke 14, 25 to 35. Now, if you have it with you, uh, then you can look up, then I know that you are ready to go. Okay, Luke 14, 25 to 35. I'm reading from the NIV. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus. And turning to them, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. 27, and whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he's able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he is not able, if he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is fit neither for the soil nor for the manure power. It is thrown out. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. And today we want to talk about commitment. This, this I believe, is a familiar passage, but I just want to talk about um, the first part of it. Uh, no, actually. Here, sorry. The first part of the passage we want to look at today is large crowds were following Jesus, right? Large crowds. Obviously, he, was, he attracted a following. And there was something in Jesus as he looked at the large crowd that made him say, guys, i got to tell you this, right? There was something in Jesus as he was leading the crowds that made him turn to them and say, here's the thing, boys and girls, right? There was something about their following that he that made him turn around to them and say we need to pause and think and the easiest guess I can make is that Jesus wanted this huge crowd following him to pause and think because you know it is easy to go with the flow I'm quite sure you have been part of crowds before 
the in-group. And it is easy to go with the flow. And sometimes many people in crowds actually forget why they're in the crowd uh, anymore after a while. So I think Jesus thought that, hey, today, as this crowd, including me, is following him, it is meaningful for us to all pause and think, for us to hear from Jesus that, hey, there's something I have to remind you. There's something I've got to tell you. Because I think Jesus' worry was that some amongst the crowd may say, since my parents are following, I also follow. Since my spouse or loved one or significant other is following, I also follow. Since my whole life I have been coming to church, I might as well follow. Don't get me wrong. Those reasons I just mentioned can be good supporting reasons. Supporting reasons. They can be good secondary reasons for following Jesus. Like some of you are here today, I know because of a very strong influence of a godly parent. And I praise God for that. But Jesus is saying, that cannot be the reason you are following me. Because your mom has been following me. No, cannot. That's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying that there, everyone in this crowd needs to pause and think about the primary reason they are following Him. Why are you following Jesus? Because if it was those few reasons I mentioned about, about the parent or the spouse, or because traditionally, you know what, I've been doing this for the past, I've been doing this since myself, I've been doing this since 1984, I've been doing church since 1984. I mean, what else is there to do on Sunday, right? So I, if, if those are the reasons, then Jesus is saying today, not compelling enough. Not compelling enough. So Jesus throws down the gauntlet. He issues the challenge. He felt that it was a good time to tell these people to issue them a health warning. Right? And what he subsequently goes on to say is probably one of the hardest sayings of Jesus. Right? The only one that I put kind of a ranking way up there in terms of the hard sayings of Jesus uh, is the one that asks you to turn the other cheek. Right, that one is quite tough. Okay, if somebody uh, slaps you on one cheek, you offer the other cheek. But I think this one that he says here, the cost of following him uh, ranks way up there because he uses um, very strong language. If anyone comes to me and does not hate father, mother, wife, da-da-da, da-da-da, yes, even their own life, uh, and whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. You know, in Christian life, sometimes we moan and groan that God doesn't show us the full picture, right? There's this huge thing always in Christian life where everybody wants to know the will of God, right? And they say we want to figure it out. We want to see the end. And sometimes we are frustrated that God reveals His will and His ways incrementally, right? As you, as you walk His lamb. His word is a lamp unto your feet and the lamp only shows the next step, right? And so some of us are a bit frustrated with that. In today's passage, interestingly, God comes up front. God tells you the whole thing, right? God says in a very classic Singaporean way, don't say I didn't tell you, okay? 
it's a don't say I didn't tell you statement because regardless of which point of the journey you are God today is asking us in the crowd why are you following me okay why are you following me now what was the what were the constituents of that crowd that was following Jesus at the time uh, I, I want to make a few guesses uh-huh, guesses now these were Jews who believed in God right those who were following Jesus they believed in God but they probably have not been seeing much of God in their lives because these were defeated uh, defeated people right they were living under uh, Roman dominion a foreign force has uh, invaded them and they're living under that so so they, they they know of the good old days these people know of the good old days Moses ten plagues Daniel lions then everything you know they know and maybe even more right so that's their heritage but they don't see much of God in their life anymore. then Jesus comes along and this guy shows promise this guy looks like the Elijah kind this guy looks like a resurrected John the Baptist because John the Baptist by that time died already this guy looks like the big time type of prophet right so they were following him because there seemed to be whoa a God movement again right after so many years of silence there seems to be so some people could be following Jesus because of that um, so there's a God movement some people could be following Jesus because uh, they were oppressed Jews under foreign rule and those who know their scripture and have been listening to their parents know that one day a Messiah will come from the line of David so they say okay this guy looks like a guy we want victory in our lives once again enough of these Italians right enough of these Romans we got enough right we want to go back to the nation of Israel so maybe some of them were following Jesus because this guy whoa he walks on water he heals the demon he delivers the demon possessed he looks like he can annihilate the whole Roman army maybe right so they were looking to victory and then I think there was some uh, in the Jewish tradition it's quite usual to uh, look for a sifu a rabbi right uh, you, you look at someone and you say hey I want to be your disciple I want to be your apprentice you have a lifestyle and a style that uh, attracts me and I want to follow you so there may be those people as well in the crowd and what is Jesus's response to them as well as to us I think Jesus is telling us coming to me is easy but for your own good Jesus wants to issue you a health warning for your own good right I need to say this because later on I'll elaborate but for your own good Jesus is saying coming to me is easy but following me keeping up you have to think about it that's what he's saying to the crowd you have to think about it because the cost is the cost is very high the cost is very high you, you know you know I, I like to um, uh, make reservations for this very good Chinese restaurant in uh, forum it's, it's, got a, it's, it's a great Chinese restaurant and uh, I, I'm always last minute right so I always reserve on Friday afternoon what I want on uh, Friday night or Saturday afternoon so half the time I call them um, when I ask for a table for five let's say at this place and uh, I say I want it at seven because that's usually the time I have dinner uh, they will say uh, the things available time is nine o'clock right uh, and when that comes across immediately 
it tests how hard up you are to eat that food, right? Because I, I know of people who say 9 o'clock, I'll take it. But I did not have so much love for this restaurant, right? I'll just go to Crystal Jade or something. Uh, but I did not have so much love. But I know of friends who say 9 o'clock, we wait, ah. right? Because there is, there is that, there is that uh, intensity of love for the food, right? There, there, when, when the when a cost, because you see, if the restaurant is open all the time and you can just walk in and eat it and it's good food, then that's fine. And I think Jesus was kind of worried that these people were having that kind of mentality. That following Jesus is just so fun, you know, it's just so easy and just, you just walk, la. you just walk with him and you see, wow, 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 like that. Right? And then sick, just tell him, hey, hey, can you heal me? And then he heals you. Right? And I think it, 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 he issues the cost. Jesus issues the cost because he says, it is not like this. That there will be a cost to it. But I, wa- I want you to be very clear that Jesus is not saying following me is like joining the commandos. Unfortunately, some in the Christian circles have painted it like this. That following Jesus is like joining the SOF, like the Special Operational Force or whatever you call it, Delta Force or, or Navy SEALs. Right? Because they, they quote this one, they say, wow, this type only for Navy SEAL. Right? Uh, Jesus is not saying that. Jesus is not setting up an elitist club. He is not saying, if you don't do this, guys, you can't join my club. Right? He's not saying this. Because when I look up the Greek word, cannot be my disciple, he is saying, not able to be my disciple. Means this guy won't be able to keep up. So there's a difference between you saying, I want to join the Stand Sharp Marathon and the guy says, well, it, you look kind of below the height limit and uh, I don't think I can let you join. Right? you disqualify. Versus a person who joins and you tell him that, hey, a marathon is very tough and he says, I don't care, I just want to join. And you just let him join. I think Jesus is talking about the latter. That I need to tell you, there is no restriction on joining the disciples of Jesus. Jesus welcomes you. God wants you to make disciples of all nations. God wants you to be a disciple. But he says, I, I, I need to tell you this, right? I need to tell you this because it's important for your sustainability, whether you can finish or not. So my son can qualify. Let's say my son signs up for the marathon, right? Let's say the adult at the booth is, 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 is blind enough to let my, my, my six-year-old son sign up for the marathon, 42 kilometers. Right? Uh, fine. Right? He can. But as his father, I need to give him a health warning. Literally, right? I need to tell him, David, I think you're going to kill yourself. Right? I don't think that's a good idea. Right? I think it'll take you three days. I need to tell him that. I need to tell him that this is the cost. You need a certain set of stuff before you do this. And that's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is not saying, I want to set a high bar, I'm looking for commandos, I'm looking for Navy SEAL, uh, if you don't have rippling muscles, don't come. No, 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 no. Jesus is saying, I know there is an intent and a desire in your heart to want to follow me. But I owe it to you to tell you that following me involves this. Involves this, Right? By all means, join. He encourages us to join. But He is telling you, He is giving you an ahead. I don't know who of you here have run 
a marathon, right? If if um, if David, my son, six year old, uh, insists on joining the marathon, I, I can see Chopang there, right? He's he's run the marathon, uh, and and he's stubborn, and somehow as a father, I'm a total failure. I cannot stop him. Uh, the least I can do for him to at least get him to talk to Uncle Chopang, right? And tell him that, boy, this is what you better expect, right? This is what it's going to be like. I need to tell you this, right? By the time you hit, uh, I don't know what, I've never run a marathon in my life, uh, but um, yeah, by, by the time you get breathless, you probably better call your father or something like that, right? Because he, Jesus is laying out for the followers that I need to tell you this. That's why he stopped. And I think for a long time, the Christian church has overemphasized the cost and not talked too much about the benefit. But Jesus is laying out the cost because he is being, he owes it to us to tell us that this is the journey ahead. You see, the laying out of the cost for Jesus to you today, it will surface in you. You will have a eureka moment. You will know, just like I have a eureka moment when the restaurant told me 9 p.m., right? And then I realized I don't like Jade Palace so much after all, right? It, it surfaces because it's going to cost me something. It's going to cost me two hours of, of waiting. And I say, well, Jade Palace, I may like you, but not that much. So Jesus is saying, I need to tell you the cost, not because... I want to disqualify you. I need to tell you because I think inside your spirit, man, it will surface. And you will begin to understand, hey, do I really want to follow Jesus? You get what I mean? Do I, I like Jesus. I don't think many pro- people have a problem with that. Uh, I, I think many people in the world who are not even Christians like Jesus. Uh, I love Jesus. Uh, maybe that's okay, easy to say. But I think Jesus, when He lays down this health warning, this cost. He's helping us to surface within us how much we want to follow Him. What is the value of following Jesus? I believe Jesus tells us up front that if you want to follow me, there will be two big blocks that you've got to deal with. Right? One big block will be the people closest to you. Right? Father, mother, uh, father, mother, uh, wife, children, brothers, sisters. Right? And Paul is very wise. Paul helps you take out wife, children, right? Because Paul says, uh, really, personally, Paul's advice to people is uh, don't marry. It's in the Bible. I'm not, I'm not telling you. It's, 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 I'm not lying. Right? Yeah, Paul says, don't but some of you cannot take it, like me. Right? So I married. But it is true. It is true that after I got married, I have all, right? Uh, before 1996, no wife, no children, right? So it is, it is a cost, and and that's one big block. But I'm not, I am not for one saying that your family will make you backslide. Okay, I'm not saying that. I'm saying Jesus is saying that there will be forks in the road of your life. You know, fork, right? Fork. When when you walk, F O R K, right? When you walk, and then, oops left or right. right. And I think Jesus is telling us that most of the big forks in your road will be wife or God. 
loved one of God, boyfriend of God, children of God. I'm not saying all the time, right? I have journeyed on a Christian life just like a, a lot of you. And many times, uh, the, the family root and the God root is the same. Praise the Lord. That's why you must, must select godly spouses. All right? Otherwise, you have a lot of faults in your life. Right? You, 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 the, the aim in life is to minimize the number of faults. Because every time you come to that, then that's where it's going to cost you. Right? Girlfriend says this, and then God tells you something else. Right? God calls you to uh, something, and uh, mom says, uh, I think it's a waste of time. Right? Those forks in your road. So Jesus says, it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you. Of, of course, acquaintances won't cost you because acquaintances, you just dumb them, right? Correct? But th- these people, you can't dumb. Right? Uh, father, mother cannot dumb. In case you were wondering. Uh, wife, children, brothers, sisters cannot dumb. Right? And they're, go- they're going to cost you because uh, even in my uh, Christian life with I, I, I find a, a godly wife and uh, children I tell you uh, they, they come up very often these forks in life right uh, how you want to get your children involved in certain educational activities um, what kind of school uh, 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 um, I don't know uh, IB IP that kind of thing those things I, I thank God for my godly wife she sits down and she says okay we've we got we to gotta, we gotta figure out what God wants right uh, because we, we want our daughter and our, our sons first of all to be godly right not to be GDP or whatever okay so it's important so that's the first big block right Jesus says the cost is going to be in terms of the relationships closest to you he needs to tell you that he's not saying the relationships will make you backslide but he's saying most likely these things will introduce dilemmas in your life these things will need he's not saying dumb them all. He's not saying cut off all relationships. He's just saying, I need you to be aware. You need to be able to say today, Jesus, I'm ready. You first. If my wife says left and you say right, I need to make a conscious will in my heart that I will turn right. And I'll try to convince her to turn right. right? That's what Jesus is saying. You, you, you got you to gotta know this. right? That's what Jesus is saying to the crowd. You got to know this. And that's the big block. In Luke 9, 57, if you have your Bibles, uh, you can turn to it, Luke 9, um, 57. And I just want to quickly read that to you. Um, these are people who, who, who wanted to follow Jesus. And Luke 9, 95, Luke 9, verse 57 says this, As they were walking along the road, um, a man said to him, Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have holes, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, Follow me. He replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, No one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the service. Now, Jesus is not rubbishing families here, but I just want to look up a commentary if, you, if you're very disturbed by these verses. They're not as disturbing as they sound. Um, but all I wanted to say is, out of three instances where Jesus was calling people, two instances, people say, my family, right? I want to go back and bury my father. The third one is, I, I want to go home and say goodbye to my family, right? 
So people already know whether these are excuses or not. People already know family is a great excuse. So Jesus said, I want to deal with that excuse now. Right? Because I know that you won't throw me some wimpy excuse like, oh, I need to, I need to read this book. Jesus, so I can follow it. Huh? That kind of excuse cannot. Right? But if you say, oh, if I do this, Lord, my family will go. Uh, that sounds really urgent and serious. Right? But Jesus is saying, if there ever comes a time where you have to choose between family and me, if you want to follow me, and you want to make it, then you can choose me. That's what Jesus is saying. Right? He tells you up front. So that later on you cannot say, you didn't tell me. Right? So that's, 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 the, that's the family part. What's the second big block? The second big block is yourself. Right? What we call selfish ambition. So I want to read to you from Luke 14, which is the same chapter. And if you have your Bible still open, you can look at it. It's from verse 16. And Jesus was telling a parable. And he says, A certain man was preparing a great banquet, invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he said, Go and bring the guests here. And um, the first said, I bought a field. I must go and see it. So that's the first excuse. Please excuse me. Then the second one said, I've just bought, bought five yoke of oxen. And I'm, I'm on my way to try them out. I don't know what that means, but uh, he says, I, I got five oxen and I got to go try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. Right? Uh, so interestingly, in this parable, uh, is the reverse, right? Just now, in that real instance that Jesus talked about, two out of three people gave excuses uh, for not following Jesus by saying, family. This time around, two out of three, only one is family, right? I married. Right? So please excuse me. The other two is, I got oxen, I got few. Right? Personal ambition. Uh, I would say this is personal ambition. So Jesus is saying, uh, one big block is this whole uh, people close to you. And then the second one is whoever does not carry their cross. You know a cross is not an uh, aesthetic item, right? You know it's not an accessory last time. It is now. But last time a cross is like a noose. It's like an electric chair. Right? So whoever does not carry his noose, whoever does not carry his electric chair, uh, cannot be my disciple. Which means that you must be ready if your ambitions ever uh, split from what God wants, then God says, then you've got to count the cost also. Okay? You've got to be willing to release that to the Lord and follow Him. The fork in the road in that instance is likely to be between following Jesus and pleasing yourself. You know, when I was first a Christian in uh, 1984, like I told you, uh, when every time this passage, and this passage was very popular, uh, I mean, I mean, I'm sure it's been popular all throughout the ages, but every time these passages were talked about, there was a huge emphasis on cross-carrying, death to self, um, there was always a huge emphasis on the cost, the cross, the death to self. And for some, it was almost like, like I said, uh, the pain was the pleasure, right? The pain was the aim. The suffering was the end game. Then I think the pendulum swung. I, I cannot recall when. I think those who are as old or as me or older will know 
that over the years the pendulum swung and suddenly there was what I would call a grace awakening. Right? There's even a book called Grace Awakening. Right? And then um, topics like these cross carrying stuff became a bit more subdued. And then topics like the Father Heart of God were became huge. Right? They became huge. Nearly every youth camp I went to was about the Father Heart of God. And um, the love and grace of Jesus was preached, or in the views of some people, over-preached. Then people started labeling people, you are health and wealth preacher, you are prosperity gospel preacher, and you are, I don't know what kind of preacher, right? Uh, People started labeling that. So, um, the cynical Christian among us uh, started to say, ah, Christendom, very sad, right? Like pendulum, like that. Always swinging from one extreme to the other, right? So one moment, cross, uh, die, uh, uh, kill yourself. Uh. Next moment, wow, uh, uh, God loves you. Uh, don't worry. Uh, even if you're a junkie, no problem. Uh, that kind of thing. And then, uh, and all that, all that could actually be true. I'm just saying the emphasis, right? Uh, so there were many cynics who said, um, very sad, uh, Christendom, the church. Now, I'm more hopeful. I'm more hopeful because if you read Revelation, Jesus says, I'm preparing the bride of Christ. I'm preparing, right? I'm preparing the bride of Christ. When He comes, the bride of Christ will be perfect. So I actually won't say the pendulum is swinging extreme. I actually say the pendulum is centering. Right? You get what I mean now? I I don't think it's a good thing that the pendulum centers, but I'm just saying it it means that it is becoming more balanced. Right? The, The grace part and the cross part is coming together. The churches that were spirit-filled is now more word-based. The churches that are word-based, like ours, is like right now more spirit-filled. So this pendulum thing, right, is happening. And I can see that. And today, the, the, the tragedy will be if you go away thinking again only about the cost. That's the last thing I want you to go home thinking, that I need to be a Navy SEAL. I want to be a commando. I want to beat him. Alright, I want to hate my mom more than him. That kind of thing. No. No. Okay? No. Because there was such bizarre behavior, especially among the young at that time, because you know, it's a very it's a very ideal it's a very um, charged up thing to, to have a high bar and then try to jump it. Right? But that was never Jesus' intent. Jesus speaks about the cost because he wants you to recognize the value you attach to follow him. Okay? He talks about that because he wants you to assess the value you attach to follow him. That's why he goes into the first illustration. What is the first illustration? Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Right? You sit down, you estimate the cost, enough money or not. Because if you don't do that, you may find out to your embarrassment that you start a building that you cannot complete. Now, maybe in the modern-day context for the working adults, uh, a more closer parallel could be you're going to buy a property, right? You're going to buy a property. You've seen so many friends make good investments in property and you say, okay, I've got $2 million, right? Or I can, I can have income to support a $2 million loan. I'm going to buy a property today, right? And um, then for the students, which are interestingly largely on this side, uh, it could be embarking on 
an expensive overseas education, right? Ah, oh, you wanna you wanna go to the UK, you wanna go to the US, and and uh, you don't really have the money and all that. So people desire these things, right? People desire these things. People want these things, but they usually approach it with care. There is a considered approach. They think about it and all that. And I want to just tell you that the the first part of this illustration says, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. It doesn't say you should build a tower. It doesn't say you have to build a tower. It says, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. So I believe Jesus is saying, whether you pay that price for the tower or not is dependent on how much you want it. Right? Right? I, I, can, I can share with you right now. I am looking for a property, right? Because my family has grown up, and uh, I'm really quite uh, 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 stretched, uh, fetching them to school, and um, I'm thinking of buying a property near to their school. Right? Makes a lot of sense, right? It's a wonderful plan. It's just that all the property near their school is very expensive. Uh, so, so now I have to weigh, right? I have to weigh because, uh, interestingly, all my three children next year will be studying in uh, Bukit Timah, right? So it makes a lot of sense for me to consider very carefully because I'm not young anymore, right? To put my money into a property near there. Right? And I can tell you, before I ever thought of this, I didn't like Bukit Timah. Right? I always wanted to stay where I was. I've always been a southwest kind of guy. If ever, I want to move to the east. That's my dream. Right? But it's different from my wife, so there's a fork in the road for me. Uh, but now, suddenly Bukit Timah is attractive because it will save me quite a bit of time and my children quite a bit of time in travel and all that and some of them study uh, quite late and all that <clears throat> so the, that, that, that value of it now you ask me if you ask me five years ago do you want a property in uh, Bukit Timah I say okay if it's really cheap I'll take it right? but now now because I want it I am willing to fork out a sum of money that was different from five years ago you get what I mean so Jesus is saying, suppose one of you wants to build the want. You need to want it before we can talk about the cost. You get what I mean? Because there's no point emphasizing the cost when there is no desire, when there is no hunger to follow Jesus. Right? You see, the price tag always makes us pause. Right? Again, a uh, eating illustration. I, I like to eat clay pot rice, right? So I used to go to my market, which has one of the best clay pot rice, ABC market. And this guy used to sell clay pot rice for one person, which was four bucks. Really solid clay pot rice. He really cooks it for I don't know how long, but um, it's really good stuff. It's real stuff. <clears throat> and it was four dollars. So every time I want supper or dinner, I go down to clay pot rice. Then one day this guy said, "Oh, I don't, we don't do four dollars anymore, right? We do ten dollars now." And it's for two persons. And you know what? I ordered ten dollars. You get what I mean? It's it's <laughs> it's uh it's a one thing, right? He was that good for me to either gorge myself or uh, eat half lah. 
I really like I really like his claypot rice. I, I don't I don't go there anymore. But uh it's it's just for to, to illustrate to you that you really need to know that if there's no want, there's no point me talking to you about the cost. Right? There's no point. And you need to learn to want it. That's why Jesus Jesus has this I don't know, um this is a very interesting verse that kind of kind of uh jumps out at you. Uh from Hosea. This was something I read from Hosea 11. And I was very puzzled by it when I first read it. My people are bent on turning away from me. And though they call out to the Most High, He shall not raise them up at all. And I was just asking the Lord, what kind of people, what kind of your people are bent on turning from you? It, it, it baffles me. Right? It baffles me. And I realized God was teaching me through that, through that, through that verse that there are people whose hearts are not set toward God. And that's what Jesus is calling you. That if you want to be my disciple, you need to be bent toward me. There needs to be a bent. Because the default bent, I think, is this. So, God is someone we come to. You know, coming to God is very easy, right? Coming to the altar and saying, please help me out. I learned my mistake already. I don't want to do it again. Nah, 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 nah. Those kind of things very easy. Help me out this time around. Deliver me. Uh, my, my Someone has some, some illness. I need to be delivered. Those things are very easy. Right? So those things are the second part. They call out to the Most High. Very easy. Coming to the Lord. But the bent, we need to be very careful. Okay? So I think Jesus is saying, you need to develop that bent toward me. I need to captivate your heart. Right? You need to want to follow Jesus. And that's why he goes into the second illustration. The second illustration is very different from the first illustration. Right? Because it talks about a king going to war. And this, this story has always bugged me because the king lost it. You get what I mean? You build a tower, it sounds like he, he built it. But this guy, this guy, he says, suppose the king is about to go to war, and then he realizes that the army coming against his 20,000, he only got 10,000. Then he, he sent an envoy to say, hey, please, uh, can don't fight. Right? And then uh, the king sends him, the opposing king sends him terms of peace. And I've always wondered, what is this about? Then I read a commentary, and I meditated on it, and it helped me. You see, the stage is set like this. There are two kings, King Jesus and King Vincent. Right? Now, unless... So I'm the king with the 10,000. Right? And he's the king with the 20,000. Right? There needs to be an enlightenment that I need to submit to him. You get what I mean? Because the resources he has versus what I have, in this case, is two times. I'm sure it's much more. But in his illustration, it's two times. You see, many may be willing to put Jesus first in terms of their relationships and whatever, but they will struggle with the second part, to let Jesus be ruler over their lives. Sometimes I think I want Jesus to follow me rather than I follow him. I want Jesus to follow me. I fail to see Jesus as the better king, the better leader, the one more able to lead, the one with more resources. I, I, I don't know whether I'm making sense or not of this, right? I hope you get it as well, that this is a time for you to recognize that King Jesus I abdicate my throne to you. 
Let's talk terms of peace. You you lead, you lead. Okay? You lead. You got twenty thousand. I got ten. You lead. You take over. You take over. You know why? Because you're the better leader. And if we get that, I think the reverse will become true. We will want to follow Jesus because we always want to follow the better leader, right? Who wants to follow a lousy leader? We want to follow the better leader. The problem is we always think King Vincent is the best leader. That's the issue. And today, God is challenging that and saying, okay, there is a better way. Follow me. And then as you see God being the better way, I trust, then the cost becomes something that you can pay. I just want to end off by recapping a little bit from the beginning to the end. So we are that crowd following. And Jesus is saying, reality check. Why are you following me? There is a price tag to follow me. If you want to last the distance, this is the price tag. You got to be ready to choose me above the religion. And, and I, I say with a lot of regret, I see many uh, Christian brothers of, and sisters of mine who are no more together walking with the Lord because of their close relationships. Similarly, I see many Christian brothers who I don't even know whether are still in the faith or not because of their ambition, because the career took off and uh, whatever. And it's no more there. So I, I think they're very real. So Jesus said, don't say, I didn't tell you. I'm telling you first. The fork in the road will come all the time. Some of us were very zealous last time and then we lost it because if you trace back, either it's because it's just following the crowd aimlessly, but if you were ever serious about God and you're no more serious, I suspect it's either one or the other. Is either the people close to you drag you away or your ambition did not square up with what God has in mind. You know, there's a heavy price tag Jesus shows you today. But I want to tell you that many years ago, uh, Jesus saw your price tag. And then he also said, very expensive. Right? Because it means he must die for you. We've got to remember that. Uh. We've got to remember. It's not like he's just unilaterally saying, because I'm God, come, 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 pay up. Right? He paid it first. I, I, think, I think it's a beautiful picture. When Jesus saw your price tag, he didn't balk, you know. He didn't, you know, is there a better way? When Jesus saw your price tag, he said, Okay, I'll pay it. And I believe that will help us um, pay that price tag. Because this is not a, a wicked master. This is a loving leader. Right? It's just that the people close to us, the ambitions that we have, sometimes tell us and whisper to us, Hey, there's a better way. There's a better way. And, and we need to be careful about that. And Jesus knows that. Right? Following Jesus, God shows discipleship is a building. It's work in progress. It's construction. And I want to, if you, if you remember Peter, Peter said, I will follow you to the death. And then Peter denied him three times. And I, I think God today is not saying, unless you know in your heart of hearts, you will never betray me, nor take the wrong fork in the road, I don't think God is saying you must know that today. Because there's no way you can know. Right? When I stood at the altar and I told, told my wife, uh, for better, for worse, etc., 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 she's going to trust me. Right? Because it's, it's, it's better all the time. But when the worst comes, then I've got to pick it up and say, can I step up or not? And sometimes the worst I can, sometimes I cannot. And Peter, in some cases, he stepped up. 
right? In the end, he stepped up. But in instances like this, where he said the commitment was there, he didn't step up. He couldn't. He denied Jesus three times. And I believe Jesus is saying you, you square up that, that part first, that you are committed to do that. Then when you hit that fork in the road, then we'll talk about it. Okay, then we'll talk about it. But I need you to, to be clear to make that commitment today. Whether you can fulfill that commitment or not, only time will tell. You get what I mean? My wife will not know until the day I die whether I fulfilled the commitment or not. Right? But I fulfilled the, I, I made a commitment. And that's, I believe, what Jesus is looking for. Okay? I just want the musicians to, to come up and uh, um, I'll just let Raymond leave uh, whatever uh, he feels led to leave. Um, but you know, today as I was uh, um, preparing this message and, 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 and asking the Lord um, for something for you all, uh, he, he showed me, uh, uh, or I just want to share with you uh, two, two pictures of, you know, uh, a barbecue pit with uh, no more fire and then a stove with no more fire. And um, I, I don't know whether that speaks to you, right? <clears throat> but when, when, when I saw that, I just wanted to issue that altar call to those of you who feel that maybe the want is no more there, right? The cost is too high, right? The want is, is not there. The fire is not there. You need to be captivated by the heart of Jesus again. Okay, so as Raymond leads us, I just want to open up the altar. If what I just said uh, 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 resonates with you, then you come up. Uh, and if there are any other reasons you want to come up to the altar to just engage with God, uh, by all means, right? Uh, this altar is open. You can rededicate. You can remake the commitment, whatever. But I believe the Lord wants to speak to some of us whose who's fire has uh, fizzled out. Who, who, who are just joining the crowd. Uh, as the times are good, I uh, just follow. Lah. I just follow. But when the fork comes, I think Jesus wants you to say today, hey, better deal with the fork today. Don't wait until then. Okay, shall we rise? Then you do your interaction with the Lord. I believe He's here. And uh, I just open the altar for those who want to respond.
the cloud, every high thing must come down, every stronghold shall be broken, you wear the victor's crown, you overcome, you overcome, every high thing must come down, every stronghold shall be broken, you wear the victor's crown, you overcome. You Worship your holy name. 
we want to thank you for your word. Lord, we we thank you for your invitation. That Lord, your heart is always open for us, Lord. You long for us, Lord. I pray that Lord, that that even that truth, Lord, will stir us up, Lord, to hunger after you. I pray for each and every one of us here today. That Lord, you will come and stir up, Lord. You will fire up our hearts, Lord, with a passion and a zeal that Lord Jesus you had on earth for the Father, Lord. I want to pray that Lord, you will do that in our life. As Lord, we 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 count the cost, Lord. As we count the cost, Father, I pray you open our eyes to see what you have in store, Lord, for those. Follow you, oh Jesus! Just, just captivate our hearts once again uh, through your word, through our meditation, through what's been deposited in our hearts. Lord, we uh, ask that you will guard and you will protect and you will cause to grow. In Jesus' name. Oh, oh, oh. 